Comical. I really didn't have my homily prepared last night. <clears throat> I should have just told everyone I really don't have a homily and sat down. But they endured this sort of choppy, wavy sort of thing kind of deal. Anyway, that's what they get for not coming on Sunday, is, is that rough draft. But it's a little more polished today. You can thank God for that. Jesus is the master in this parable that he's speaking about with this dishonest steward. So the master is the one who owns the property and has everything. And the steward comes along and inherits everything from the master. He's given everything from the master. And then it's the steward's job to be responsible with what the master has given to him. Well, we're all the dishonest steward. We're all sinful stewards. We all fail in what it is that's been given to us. And so what this really is, is it's a parable about Jesus and each one of us. Then understanding it in that light, we go forward. In the end, along with many other parables that our Lord shares and many other stories and examples that Jesus shares, is the ultimate thesis of this, the ultimate purpose of this parable, is to be concerned for your eternal salvation. This is the accounting of the steward to the master. So this is, you know, in the end, this is about us dying and standing before God and being prepared to give a full accounting. That's what this is, except that Jesus is using imagery and uh, circumstances from the life and the world that we can understand. But that's ultimately what this is about, is Jesus is the master who's given us everything. And in the end, he'll demand a full accounting for what we've done with everything he's given us. Jesus says, For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. It's really an amazing thing that he says there. I kind of want to use a few examples of this. So I work with the altar servers before Mass for I usually have a minute or two, not always, but a minute or two to work with them on what are the seven sacraments, what are the seven precepts, what are the seven spiritual works of mercy, and what are the seven corporal works. Corporal works would be the least important of the 28 because even atheists do the corporal works of mercy. But the other three are necessary for salvation. So, you know, and they're depending to how much training we get over the years, they get to one degree of proficiency or another with those 28. But if I was to ask you guys, most of you couldn't rattle off off the top of your head what even the seven sacraments are, let alone the precepts of the church or the spiritual works of mercy, etc. But if it came to knowing how, uh, how to access your bank account and your password, whatever that is, and how much money you've got in the bank and how much interest it's earning and you know, how you plan to retire with Social Security and how much that would be and how much your pension is. It's amazing the myriad of things that we know about the world and our life in it and how little thought we give to God. We know more about our car and how you've got to use the fob to get in and this works this way and then you get in the door and you sit down and how your seats adjust and your mirrors and, and how your car operates and then the 100 and 1,000 rules of the road that are out there. And yet we couldn't name the seven sacraments or the precepts of the church. The most basic of things. And this is what Jesus is getting at with these guys. Well, with each one of us. Is that he wants us to be concerned for eternal salvation. But to do that, or to be a good steward while we're here, 
He wants us to focus as much or be as creative as the dishonest steward was in pursuing the eternal things of God as we are in pursuing the passing things of this world. And yet the passing things of this world are like 99.999% of all of our focus. And he's saying, guys, let's at least be balanced. Give me 50%. You, you know, you're, you're really creative and, and really focused on the things of this world, okay, and that's necessary to a point. But can I get what's left? So this is where he's going with all of this stuff about the creativity of this dishonest steward with what he's doing. So, but some things that are really helpful for us, too, to understand and to, to kind of continue to help us to keep going and trying in this vein is this. The, the dishonest steward, after he's been found out, or he knows that the master is coming and he has to give an account because the master's heard that he's being dishonest or doing a bad job. And the steward is thinking, shoot, the master gets here, he's going to fire me. And I'm too old to dig and I'm too proud to beg. What am I going to do? So I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to write these promissory notes with the debtors of the master and cut them a deal so that when the master fires me, I can go to these guys and go, hey, I'm that guy who gave you the really good deal. Remember, I cheated my master and gave you this really great deal. Why don't you give me a job or something? All right, that's what he's doing. Well, why does the master honor these deals that were not signed by the master? What's going on here? And to the listeners of Jesus 2,000 years ago, hearing this for the first time, they would be wondering, what are you talking about? The master will just simply say, hey, I didn't sign those deeds. That was done by a corrupt official. The original deed that I signed with you that has my signature on it, that's what we're going to continue to follow. But the master honors these dishonestly drawn up deeds. And why does he do that? Why does he do that? Well, if the parable is really about the master is God, and the steward is every one of us, then God in his infinity understands there's no way you and I could make it as perfect human beings. He accepts that there will be failure on our part. And that if he demands perfection in us, and if we don't have perfection, then we must die, then none of us can live. And so there's a, in his infinite mercy, there's this kind of pragmatic understanding of our limitations. An example that I thought of that kind of, I think, does a good job of getting to this is God being so much greater than every one of us Think of it as a nursery. And we're all in a nursery. And in a nursery, you have infants and I guess maybe up to four-year-olds or something. I, I, I don't know when you tap out of the nursery. But nurseries are babies to preschool-age kids. And I can imagine a nursery, you know, you've got the, the younger kids and the older kids. And one year, it makes a world of difference at that age. And I could just imagine a four-year-old pushing a three-year-old down for whatever reason. I remember me doing that when I was little. I remember once throwing a rock on my little brother and just to, just to watch his reaction. It was so strange. It was just fallen human nature. And of course he cried and, and then my mom came out and spanked me silly. And, and I, I remember the whole episode and I, I kept thinking, why did I do that? I was, why did I do that? 
sort of thing. So, but imagine a nursery, a nursery four-year-old pushes a three-year-old down, maybe just, to, just for like, oh, I feel good about myself. You know, like, oh, I'm powerful, I'm strong. Whatever his motivations are. The three-year-old starts crying. And the four-year-old's thinking, I'm going to be in trouble. That, you know, who's ever, that adult who's in charge of the nursery. And think about this. When you're a little tyke, adults are like up to the ceiling. They're literally that much bigger than you. You're like, Godzilla's up there. So the four-year-old pushes the three-year-old down, and the three-year-old's crying. What does the four-year-old do? It's like this dishonest steward. He immediately gets down on the carpet, and he's like, you know, shh, shh, it's okay, it's okay. Listen, I'll play with you. I, I'll let you have my toy. See my toy? Shh, just be quiet. Just whatever you do, be quiet. Shh, sort of thing. I'll work out a deal. All right, I'll work out a deal. Well, the thing is, is the person who's in charge of the nursery has witnessed the whole thing. They hear the crying, they're like, I know it's that little Tommy, he's always doing this. And they walk around, sure enough, I'm down on the carpet with my little brother, you know, begging, you know, begging some little deal. And, and the nursery person, I don't know, I guess they could grab me by the arm, pick me up, swap me and throw me in the corner or whatever it is, and then, uh, you know, console the crying child kind of thing. You know, or, or maybe just throw me outdoors and just say, never come back again. But the, the adult in charge just recognizes this is fallen human nature. And as sad as fallen human nature is, that adult was once in the four-year-old's position, doing something mean to someone too. And that adult realizes that the three-year-old will one day do that to somebody else too, that this is just fallen human nature. And so in this kind of a dynamic, the dishonest steward cutting the new de- deals with the, the debtors, etc., the master is God in charge of the nursery and recognizes that the four-year-old is trying to make amends for the damage that he's done to the three-year-old, to the harm he's done, and he's doing his best with what's within his power. And that's how much bigger God is than us, than Jesus is from us. But what Jesus wants us all to understand about this parable are these two things. Be concerned for your eternal salvation. The Master is coming. And we will all give a full account on the day of our judgment. And the second is that he wants us to concern ourselves with the things of of God as much or more than we concern ourselves with the things of the world. Again, I mean, how many different things about the world do we know and understand about our little lives and our little houses and whatever do we understand? And the things of God that are just lying right in front of us in that Bible that we've never read. He wants us to be focused on Him. He wants us to understand that the things in this world that He gave us are all passing away. They're all passing away. It's a nursery, and we're all going to outgrow it. And he wants to see who we become as a result of the things he's given us. So, by the grace of God, and only by his grace, we recognize that we're headed for judgment. And we recognize that by God's grace, we can focus on the things of God and sanctifying our life by God's grace. And this would be something that's very pleasing to God and something that would enrich our lives and enrich the lives of others. 
It's something that Jesus is calling all of us to consider today. That we've been caught. And the Master's coming. And we need to prepare ourselves to meet Him.